Welcome, brothers and sisters. This is Common and Uncommon with your host, Julio, where we take on a variety of different topics and talk about the popular and unpopular perspective on said topic, from community to national and international. Our goal is not to push one or the other perspective, but to explore both points of view and just engage in fun but thought-provoking conversations. Once again, welcome. Hey fam, welcome back to another episode of Common and Uncommon. Today we'll be talking about a really cool indigenous figure. His name is James Francis Thorpe, also known and remembered as one of the greatest athletes of the early 20th century. I've actually read about him before, and his story really piqued my interest. So, you know, here I am making a small episode on this man. I decided uh, to release this episode today because it's uh, April 16th, also known as Jim Thorpe Day. So, happy Jim Thorpe Day, guys. Uh, let's go ahead and figure out why this man has a whole day to himself. All right, let's get into it. So James Thorpe was born a twin around 1887 in what is now known as Oklahoma. He was born on an indigenous reservation that belonged to the Sac and Fox Nation. His indigenous birth name given to him by his mother was Watho Hook, which translates in English to Bright Path. His birth name would soon reflect into his life, although he had a really rough upbringing with the loss of his twin brother due to pneumonia at the age of 8, and then with the loss of his mother at around age 14 due to uh, tuberculosis. And with his father being addicted to alcohol, it just made things worse in the household. Uh, it, it just made it so unstable to the point that this resulted in James being sent to an Indian boarding school in Pennsylvania called uh, Carlisle Indian School. Now, for those that may not know, the Indian boarding school system was created by the government around the mid-17th to early 20th century, and basically the goal behind this was was to quote-unquote civilize indigenous children so they could assimilate into western customs and ways of living, and this caused so much generational trauma for those that, that attended, and thousands of families were separated by force in this process. As soon as James Thorpe arrived at the Carlisle Indian School, he was forced to cut his hair short and to let go of his native language and anything that had to do with his native customs. Um, Jim Thorpe became confused in his, in his identity, and it's believed that turning to sports allowed him to still embrace his indigenous side because although he was called racial slurs from time to time, but in sports everyone played on equal terms, and Jim would uh, soon turn his doubters into believers. Um, Jim Thorpe was really intrigued by sports. He would observe the sport very closely, very often. Uh, story goes, actually, that, that he was one day walking around his school with some friends and noticed there was a group of students struggling to do the high jump. He stood there and watched for a while. He then handed over his books to his friends um, to, to hold on. Now, now, James had never high jumped before, but he just ran over to the other students and jumped over 5 feet 8 inches, the same height the students were struggling with. Um, James just did it on the first try and with just regular street clothes um, that he was wearing. Uh, this led to word being spread and when the famous uh, coach Pop Warner heard of this, he immediately put Jim on his track team. James went on to become one of the top track stars, winning many gold and bronze medals, but he wanted to partake in football next. And although coach Pop Warner didn't want him to play football, 
um, basically because he, he didn't want to lose him in the track team. But James, you know, relentless persuasiveness finally convinced Coach Pop Warner to, uh, to give him a shot and, and just give him a little tryout. Coach Warner handed over a football to James and told him to do a tackling practice through the whole football team. And James did just that. Um, Coach, was, Coach Pop was amazed but still doubtful. So he told the team to tackle, push, and do whatever it takes to keep James down. So he gave James the ball again and told him to try tackling through the whole team again once again. And once again, James went through the whole team. Realizing that his eyes weren't deceiving him, Coach Pop was convinced and made James a team member. It's, uh, it's pretty interesting that this young man had no coaching or training in sports and was able to dominate the way he did. And in May of 1912, Jim went to New York to try out for the Olympics. During those times, uh, Olympic athletes were picked out mostly from universities. And those that attended universities were usually people that had the money to attend these schools, the so-called elite. So it was really unusual to see someone like Thorpe that came from a more humble setting competing for the Olympics. When he went to the uh, 1912 Summer Olympics in Stockholm, Sweden, no one knew or had even heard of Jim. And so they referred to him as just an Indian. Um, Jim never tried doing the decathlon, which consists of doing a 100-meter dash, running lod broad jumps, 400-meter runs, 110-meter uh, hurdles, the discus throw, the pole vault, the javelin throw, and the 1,500-meter run. But Jim went on to compete the decathlon anyways and won by 700 points on his first try. To put things into perspective, Jim Thorpe's total points won weren't able to be achieved by anyone up until 1924, 1928, and 1932, almost 20 plus years after Jim Thorpe had achieved those numbers. Even more remarkable about this competition, and it's actually what drew my attention to this great figure, was the events that took place at this race. So check it out. Literally moments before he was set to compete, someone had stolen his track shoes, but instead of giving up or staying out of the race, Jim Thorpe went to a nearby trash can and, uh, and found a mismatched pair of shoes of uh, replacements. He put them on and completed the race and went on to win the gold medal while wearing those mismatched shoes. There's actually a picture taken of him wearing those shoes on that day. And you can find this on Google and, and see him in those same mismatched uh, shoes looking very determined. It's a uh, pretty cool image. And I mean, talk about dedication and resilience. Even the king of Sweden, which, uh, which is where the Olympics were hosted that year, congratulated Jim and called him the greatest athlete in the world. Then, two days after the track series, Jim played in the Olympic baseball game, going on to win two more gold medals. <clears throat> when he came back to the United States, landing in New York, they threw a big parade in celebration for the big wins he accomplished, representing the United States in the Olympics. They even reserved an open-top automobile and drove him down Broadway, while everyone gave him praise and and just, you know, congratulating him, you know, although Jim represented the United States of America in the Olympics, unfortunately, during this time, the United States did not recognize, did not recognize him as a U.S. citizen due to Jim being born on an indigenous reservation in Oklahoma. He was basically a ward of the state because Native Americans did not receive citizenship for another seven years with the passing of the Indian Citizenship Act of 1924. But uh, but then in January of 1913, the Worcester Telegram, a newspaper outlet, reported that Jim was paid when he was playing uh, minor league baseball before going to the Olympics, which meant he was considered a professional by Olympic rules. So the AAU, which stands for Amateur Athletic Union, and its secretary at the time, which was James Edward Sullivan, 
took this news very seriously. Although the public didn't seem to care very much about Thorpe's past, especially when it was revealed that Jim got paid literally like $2 per baseball game, sometimes 35 bucks per week, you know, but they, they took it super seriously. So, um, so Jim wrote a letter to the AAU telling them, telling them he apologized and he was just an Indian schoolboy that didn't know the rules to qualify for the Olympics. But this didn't stop the AAU from stripping Jim of his Olympic titles, medals, and awards. The AAU didn't follow their own rules because according to the rulebook, any protest for disqualification had to be made within 30 days for the closing of the Olympic ceremony. And this did not happen up until six months later. So they contradicted themselves and evidence came out that the AAU knew he had been paid to play, but ignored this fact until confronted about it in 1913. Um, Jim Thorpe was taken advantage of in the sense that they used his remarkable athletic skills and name for fame. It soon came to light that Coach Pop Warner knew all of this, but kept it from Jim Thorpe so that his revenue wasn't affected. This event of being stripped of his Olympic achievements really took a toll on Jim Thorpe, but since he was labeled as a professional for being, you know, paid to play, uh, this did pave the way for many new opportunities. Jim got back and took full advantage of this by becoming a free agent and decided to join the New York Giants after turning down an offer from the St. Louis Browns. He garnered an increase in publicity. Later, it was discovered through attendance and gate receipts that he had went on tour with the Giants and Chicago White Sox and had played in front of 20,000 plus people in London, including King George V. Thorpe was actually the last man to to compete in both Olympics and Major League Baseball before Eddie Alvarez did. Um, up until, I think, I think Eddie Alvarez did this around the year of 2020, actually. Um, he played a total of 289 games in the MLB. A quick list of the teams he played for is as follows. The Milwaukee Brewers, 1916. Uh, Cincinnati Reds, 1917. San Francisco Giants and the Boston Braves around 1918 and 1919. Um, so yeah, that was kind of cool. And Jim also ended up going back into football after years of baseball, and he became the first president of the American Professional Football Association, which later became the NFL, but he was then replaced by Joseph Carr. Uh, Jim, Jim Thorpe retired from football at age 41, having played a total of 52 games for six different teams from 1920 to 1928. Fun unknown fact that just recently came to light was that, uh, was that Jim Thorpe played in basketball as well for a team called the World's Famous Indians of La Rue from 1928 to 1929 and played in multiple states. Although this was not well documented and was just discovered in 2005 where a ticket that documented his time in professional basketball was found in an old book, I can now understand why he was known one of the top, if not only, athletes of the 20, 20th century. And just a little information into Jim's personal life. Um, he had married three times and had a total of eight children, but he found hardship in providing, providing for his family, especially during the Great Depression. He had a hard time finding work in non-sports related jobs. Um, he did have various jobs, including being a construction worker, a, sec a security guard, a ditch digger, and he actually briefly joined the United States Merchant Marines in 1945. He also took on roles as an extra for several movies, usually playing as an uh, as an American Indian in Western movies. Unfortunately, though, Jim became a chronic alcoholic during his later life and fell into heavy depression, especially when he was hospitalized for lip cancer. And later in 1953, he went into heart failure for a third time. 
Um, he was revived for a brief moment and was able to talk to those around him, but lost consciousness shortly afterward. He was pronounced dead on March 28 at the age of 65. Jim Thorpe's uh, Olympic medals were reinstated in 1982 after countless of efforts from his former teammates and the backing of U.S. Congress, with the support and evidence from 1912 proving that Jim's disqualification had occurred after the 30-day time period allowed by the Olympic rules. So the IOC went ahead and reinstated his Olympic status, along with his awards and medals. Jim's uh, achievements received great acclaim from many sports journalists, not only during his lifetime, but also since after his death in 1950. An associated press poll of about 400 sports writers and broadcasters voted Jim Thorpe as the greatest athlete of the first half of the 20th century. And in 1999, the Associated Press placed him uh, third on its list of the top athletes of the century, following Babe Ruth and Michael Jordan. Then ESPN ranked Jim Thorpe in seventh on their list of best North American athletes of the century. And in 1973, President Nixon, as authorized by U.S. Senate Joint Resolution 73, proclaimed April 16th as Jim Thorpe Day to promote nationwide recognition, recognition of Thorpe's great achievements and his life. Um, I decided to make an episode on this man because I never learned about him in school growing up and I only found out about him during uh, my personal research into indigenous studies and found a story of resilience, dedication, and self-determination really inspiring, especially in my times of hardship. He is proof of not letting anything or anyone hold you down. Even through really tough times, there is always going to be one way or another to get through and prosper. I really hope you guys enjoyed and got something out of this episode. And may Jim Thorpe's spirit live in you to keep on pushing the limits in your life. And also may James Francis Thorpe live in forever peace and power. And once again, thanks for tuning in, fam. Much love to you guys. I'll see you all in the next episode. Peace.